Hey Moth family, save the date for the Moth main stage on Saturday, February 27th at 7.30 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. Join us and host Jonathan Ames for an evening of stories as five storytellers take the virtual stage and share a true personal tale from their life. Stories of glory and defeat, taunting fate, laughing in the face of danger, and the moments that forever changed the course. Buy tickets now at themoth.org slash virtual mainstage. Welcome to All Together Now, Fridays with the Moth. I'm your host for this week, Chloe Salmon. If you've ever been to a live moth show I've produced, you might know me as the woman you've witnessed setting the scene while sprinting back and forth with a truly frightening intensity. At the moment, I'm stationary and so very excited to say hello and thank you for listening. Today, we will hear two stories from that most ethereal, fierce, loving, and extraordinary group of human beings, black women. The stories in this episode remind us of the courage and determination it takes to believe in yourself and the joy that can shine through when you do. First up this week, a story from Shauna Renee Collins. Shauna told this story at a story slam in Washington, D.C., where the theme of the night was ego. Here's Shauna live at the Moth. So if you were to ask the 13-year-old version of myself what I wanted to be when I grew up, I'd tell you one of two things. Madonna's backup singer-dancer, yes, or a Broadway actress. And since Madonna had, um, what's her name, Donna and Nikki, I decided, okay, I'll be a Broadway actress. And so my journey towards stardom started at the North Rosedale Park Community Players in the beautiful city of Detroit, Michigan. Yeah, so um, it started one year when I decided that I was gonna try out for every play that year. And I got some really good like supporting roles in Annie and I got a supporting role in Oliver and I played one of those like doo-wop singers in Little Shop of Horrors. But again, these were like supporting roles. I wanted a starring role. So I discovered that that Christmas, they were going to be doing a special children's Christmas play, Princess in the Pea, or Once Upon a Mattress, you know, same thing. Anyway, I said, this is my chance. I am going to star in this play. So I prepared a little monologue, I prepared a song, and I got up there for auditions. And they had us all lined up, you know? So I was like, okay, checking out the competition, like, no, <laughs> no, no, mm, maybe. Now maybe was Ingrid Small, right? So Ingrid Small was that, very little, chocolate drop, right? Ingrid Small was Annie in Annie. Ingrid Small was Oliver in Oliver. But what Ingrid Small won't gonna be was the princess. So I said, okay, no. So here we are now, it's time for me to come up and I do my monologue, killed it. <laughs> and then, it was time for me to do the song. So I said, okay, here's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna do that song that Ingrid sang in Oliver and I'm going to, I just sat up there and I breathed in and I was like, where is love? Killed it, got the part. Yes, thank you very much. So now, 
So rehearsals start like the next day, you know, and the first rehearsal usually you're going through like blocking and lines and things like that. No problem, I got this, it's cool. The second day we're going through like the musical numbers or whatever. So I'm like, okay, I'm with the music director, he's playing the piano and I start to sing, we all live happily, happily, happily ever after. But it sounds like a train wreck. It sounds awful. So I'm like, dude, can you play the right key? And he's like, I'm in the right key. <laughs> so we go through this a couple of times. It doesn't work. I'm super frustrated because it sounds awful. I'll have to admit, he was terrible. You know, so I go to my dressing room, which doubled as the women's bathroom. And I'm in the stall. And I hear two women talking, and one of the women was like, what's going on? And the other one was like, I'll tell you what's going on. The girl can't sing. She's tone deaf. They should have just let Ingrid have the part. It was Ingrid's mother. I'll tell you, I was devastated for like two seconds, because I'm a Leo, and I'm like, I'm going to do this, right? So. So I go home to my mom and I'm like, Ma, look, I gotta do this. And I'm complaining to my mother about it. Now, my stepfather, who is one of those men, he doesn't like a whole lot of talking, complaining. He's really about business. So he goes out of the house for about two hours and he comes back with a record. This was a little while ago, so with a, an LP, you know. And it was the soundtrack to um, Once Upon a Mattress, starring Carol Burnett. And he gives it to me, he says, look, you guys got something in common. You both have the same part. She can't sing, neither can you figure it out. <laughs> so I spent <laughs> the entire week between rehearsals memorizing like every tone and intonation, everything. I'm like, okay, I can get this, I can get this. So finally, I memorized everything. I could do a perfect Carol Burnett like imitation. So I go and I say, look, obviously your music director is whack. He's not doing what he's supposed to do. So what I would instead like for you to do is during the play, put on this record and let me do my thing. <laughs> and they did. <laughs> and I killed it. <laughs> Thank you. That was Shauna Renee Collins. Shauna says that she desperately wanted to sing despite being tone deaf. And to make it work for this show, they found the movie's score and Shauna did her best Carol Burnett impression. And as she said, kilted. While she never made it to Broadway, Shauna did record a children's song about growing hydroponic tomatoes. It aired in West Africa on the first ever satellite radio network, Worldspace. These days, Shauna Renee is an international broadcast journalist and storyteller. She says she's dedicated her life to making choices that might create interesting stories. Some good, some not so good. Out of all the things she's done, her life as a wife and mother provides her the greatest joy and the best stories. Up next, Audrey Pleasant. Audrey came to the Moth through our community program, which partners with organizations to deepen connections between communities. Audrey told this story at a main stage show in NYC where the theme of the night was New York stories. Here's Audrey, live at the Moth. Tommy, Tommy Johnson, 
that was my humiliator. I mean, at the age of 13, how could you be so humiliated? Let me not get ahead of myself. You see, I was going to a church right across the street from me. That was at 141st Street in, in Harlem, between 7th and 8th Avenue. They had a center down there that we used to go down to dance. My dance step, side to side shuffle. <laughs> side to side shuffle, regardless of what type of music it was. <laughs> and I would go there and I'd sit on the side where the young ladies would sit that didn't get a chance to dance too much. And I would sit and sit. And this young man by the name of Tommy Johnson would come and ask me to dance. I'd get up and I'd follow him out to the dance floor like the moth to the flame. And we'd get out there, Tommy would do slides, turns, splits, <laughs> bend over and shake a tail feather. And I would do my little favorite step, sigh, sigh, sigh. Regardless of what he did, I would sigh, sigh, sigh. That was my movement. Well, Tommy did this so much, and I got tired of it. I mean, I really got tired of it. And I went home one night after being humiliated, and I laid on my bed crying and thinking about Tommy and his splits and his turns and his bending over and shaking a tail feather. I thought about doing a step. I said, I could do this. I could do this. I got up off that bed, got my belt out of the closet, put it on the doorknob, tightened it up, closed that door, and I started doing me some slides. Almost tripped over my own foot, but I still did my slides. And I bent over and I shook a tail feather. I even did a little twirling. Then I did the half split. I couldn't do the whole split, of course, but uh, the half split would suffice me. And I kept this up for a whole month. I mean, I would eat. I would stop and eat, yes. I'd stop and go to school. I had to go to school because my mother wasn't going to have that. And I'd come back home, do my homework, have my dinner, go to my room, and I'd do my little dancing. I'd practice and practice and practice. I, one night, the, uh, the door, the closet door came open. I bumped my head, but I just shook that off and kept right on dancing. <laughs> and I even practiced doing a headstand. I bumped my head again on the floor, shook that off, and tried it again until I got it. Like I said, I did that for a whole month till I felt I had it together. And then one night, one Friday night, at 6 o'clock, I got dressed and I went down to the center. And I sat in my same little spot. Now, I don't know who Tommy was dancing with while I was gone, but I guess he was dancing with somebody. But I sat in my same spot, waiting, just waiting for him to come over and ask me to dance. True to form, here comes Mr. Tommy Johnson. <laughs> And I got up, and I followed him out to the dance floor. Now, when you get out there on the dance floor, if you're really doing something spectacular, 
a crowd will gather around you. Now that crowd is there to help you stay inside the circle to let the person that's doing the fantastic dancing do their thing. And if you're not dancing so good and you try to get out that circle, you can't go nowhere. You got to stay inside that circle and endure the humiliation. Well, Tommy had asked me to dance again and I was inside the circle. And he was doing his splits. He was doing his turns, his slides. I mean, he had it going on. He was sliding all over the place and then bending over and shaking a tail feather. And I let him go right ahead. Go ahead, slide some more. Do the split. Shake a tail feather. And he even galloped like he was riding a pony. I said, yeah, go right ahead, go right ahead. And I got tired of looking at him doing all his slides and everything. And I slid up to his face, and he stood there with his mouth wide open. <laughs> looking at me all wide-eyed, all bug-eyed. And I showed him what I could do. I showed him my slides. And I mean I slide. You could think I was James Brown. <laughs> I was sliding so good. And I showed him how I could bend over and shake a tail feather. And I went and did me a half split, which I could do. Did it pretty good, too. He tried to walk out the circle. <laughs> but they wouldn't let him out. They came in tighter and enforced it. And that made me more determined to do my slides, my shake a tail feather. And I even did like the pony, too. Showed him I knew what I could do. And then when I tired of him, I slid up to his face again and threw him a kiss. Let him know that, hey, you ain't got it all like that. I got me a little bit of it too. And I walked out of that circle. Now, I didn't go back to the center for a while. And I didn't know what happened to Tommy Johnson. But anyway, one day I was walking down 125th Street between 7th and 8th Avenue, the Apollo Theater's around there. And then across the street, there was a store called the Record Shack. And they were playing some music. I mean, they were throwing down. And it was one of James Brown's records, too. And I just, something just came over me, and I started dancing. Next thing I knew, I had a crowd of people around me, and I just showed off even more so. And this man stepped out of the audience, and he said, you know what, miss, you should be at the Apollo Theater. I looked at that man like he was crazy. He said, I'm serious. He said, here. He said, this, come here at this time and on this date. I took the paper and I said, well, I couldn't lose. My mate gained something. And on that day, and at that precise time, I went to the Apollo Theater. And they had a group of performing up there called the Coasters. And the lead singer was Speedo. He would come down to interact with the audience. He would take the mic and he would put it to somebody. He said, whoa. And then he put the mic to the, somebody's mouth and they said nothing. He went to the next person, whoa. He got nothing. He came to me. He said, whoa. I said, wow. <laughs> he jumped back and looked at me and he grabbed my hand and he pulled me up on the stage. And that's the first time in my life I had ever seen anybody do the twist on one leg while they got the other leg extended in front of them. Well, I couldn't do that. So I did the best thing I could do. I turned around and showed him my posterior jumping up one at a time. Uh -huh. 
and he took off his shirt. I screamed and I ran off the stage. I hurried up and got back to my seat. The usher came down with a flashlight and he was shining in my face. I said, oh gosh, did I do something wrong? He said, miss, come here. And I got up and I went to him. He said, the manager wants to see you. And I thought to myself, I'm gonna get put out of the theater. They're gonna put me out. They're really gonna put me out. And I paid to come in here. <laughs> but I went up to the manager, brave, very brave. He said, are you working anywhere, miss? I said, no, sir. Now here I'm, I'm 13 years old. And he said, would you like to appear here on the stage with the coasters for the rest of the week? Would I? <laughs> yes. He said, you'll get paid Friday, just like they do. I said, thank you. He said, you wouldn't have to go up on the stage every show, but be here every day. And I was true to form. I was there every day. I went up on the stage some of the times. And one time I was up there on the stage, and who made an appearance was James Brown himself. I said, wow. Then I really did something then. <laughs> I did my slide. And I, could, I had trained myself so well that I could do the slide and make it in a figure eight. He looked at me and he said, wow, little mama. <laughs> that became my stage name, little mama. And from there, I went to the Carver Ballroom, the Renaissance Ballroom, the Audubon Ballroom, the Baby Grand, Small's Paradise. And I did my slide, and my bend over and shake a tail feather. I even did the fly. And I stopped doing my little um, side to side. That was off the hook, no more doing that. I no more doing that. But you see, I never knew what happened to Tommy Johnson. But deep down in my heart, I thanked him for humiliating me the way he did, because it made me more determined. And I mean, I was determined to show him that I was not gonna be a little step, 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 step. I was gonna show him something. And I showed him. And I showed the ones that held me back in that circle that I could do something. Hold him back and let me do my thing. Wow, mama got a brand new bag. That was Audrey Pleasant. Audrey is a native New Yorker who has spent the better part of her life entertaining others. She's a poet, a writer, a mother, and a grandmother. Listening to Shauna and Audrey's stories reminded me of my own grandmother, Rosa Salmon, who immigrated from Jamaica to the UK with my grandfather in the early 1950s. She worked as a nurse and raised five kids, my dad included. In addition to having a slipper that, legend has it, could maneuver around any corner in order to catch an unruly head, she had a lot of laughter and love to give. My dad tells me that he cherished the impromptu dance parties my grandmother would start while cooking in the kitchen. With a declaration of no eating without dancing, she'd grab her kids by the hand and they would boogie on down. My dad took inspiration from those kitchen dance parties when starting his own family after he moved to America. I remember many nights from my childhood 
when he would dust off his record collection and blast them in the basement, waiting for my brothers, my mom, and myself to burst out of our rooms and dance the night away. I didn't have the voice of Shauna Renee Collins or the moves of Audrey Pleasant, but I treasured my Nana's tradition and took my piece of the joy and love that flowered where she planted it. Stories connect us in unexpected ways, and to share them is to extend a hand in an act of generosity. Honor those who are brave enough to share by starting a conversation and sharing a story of your own. Here are some prompts to get you started. When was a time that learning something new brought you joy? Have you ever set out to change someone's perception of you? If so, what did you learn in your success or your failure? Need a minute to think about it? You can also find the prompts in the extras for this episode on our website, themoth.org slash extras. I want to thank Shauna and Audrey for their generosity in sharing their stories and their joy with us. Black joy is a powerful medicine and a testament to the indomitable spirit of those who carry it. I'm also here with your daily reminder to celebrate, support, uplift, listen to, and protect black trans and cis women. Until next time, from all of us here at The Moth, have a story-worthy week. Chloe Salmon is a producer on The Moth's main stage and Story Slam teams, a director on the main stage, and a member of the Pitchline team. Her favorite Moth moments come on show days, when the cardio is done, the house lights go down, and the magic settles in. Podcast production by Julia Purcell. The Moth Podcast is presented by PRX, the public radio exchange, helping make public radio more public at prx.org. Moth Story Slams are back. Held on Mondays beginning in February, join us for our weekly open mic story slam competition. February's theme is Love Hurts. Throw your name in the hat for a chance to tell your story or just come to listen to stories of a total eclipse of the heart, kicked to the curb by the people or places or things you love or used to love. Visit themoth.org slash events to buy tickets now. That's themoth.org slash events.